0: Father, we want to thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that Christmas is about an expression of your love to all mankind. Father, we pray for our children this morning. Would you bless them? Father, would you help them to understand the amazing goodness and truth and love of Jesus Christ? Uh, And Father, I pray for us as we look at your word, that you would help us to hear you speaking in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So we hit our second Advent this week. We've already highlighted that Advent means coming, and we're speaking specifically about the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, in the 1100s, there was a guy who lived, he's now been made a saint, and his name is Saint Bernard of Clairvaux. And he asks us to consider six questions about the coming of Jesus. This is what he says. It's a bit Old English, so excuse the Old English, but I quite like what he says. He says this, "'Consider who he is that comes, whence he comes, to whom he comes, for what end he comes, when he comes, and in what manner he comes.' This is undoubtedly a most useful and praiseworthy curiosity, for the church would not so devoutly uh, celebrate the season of Advent if there were not some great mystery hidden therein. So he's asking us to look at six questions. Question one, who is it that is coming at this Christmas season or the Advent season? From where does he come is question two. To whom does he come? Is question three. For what purpose does he come? Is question four. Uh, When does he come? Question five. We might say, well, we already know that. And question six. In what manner does he come? And in the next couple of weeks, I'm just going to go through these questions. Now, some of them are going to be best answered together. So I'm going to lump a few of these questions together. And this morning, we're going to look at three questions. We're going to look at who is coming, to whom does he come, and what is the purpose of his coming. And we're going to start by reading Luke chapter 2. And we're going to be reading from verse 8 to 12, just a short passage Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David... A savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So we're trying to look at the question who is coming? And it's quite evident in this passage, it's telling us three things it's saying a savior, the Messiah, and the Lord. Now I'm only going to focus on savior today. But at some point, we'll look at Messiah and Lord, but you can also check that out yourself. Jesus came as the Savior. Now, there's an obvious question there. What is he saving us from? Remember that we mentioned last week that Advent talks about coming, and we are told in the Bible that there are going to be two Advents of Jesus. Jesus came the first time 2,000 years ago at what we celebrate as Christmas, but he's also going to come a second time. He's not yet come. It's ahead of us, but it's also something that we will all take part in. The book of Hebrews tells us this. This is Hebrews 9 verse 27. People are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. I want to pause there for a moment. Contrary to popular belief, you die once. Just once. You don't get a second chance. You know, it's quite nice, the whole idea of reincarnation. If you fluff up this time, then you can come back. But you only get one shot. Your life is not a practice. It's not a trial run. It's one life. And then it says, after that, we face judgment. After death is judgment, and it's very specific, the judgment that we face is Jesus Christ's judgment. Now, that's really important. It's not going to be the British government. It's not going to be some Hindu god. It's not going to be Allah. It's going to be Jesus Christ, who is going to come back to judge the whole earth. Jesus will return not as saviour, but as judge. Really important. And so everybody, the living, the dead, we will all face Christ's judgment. No, none of us can escape it. At some point in the future, that is a door that we each need to go through. What will we be judged on? Big question. How Have we lived according to Jesus' teaching? Jesus is going to judge us, so it's important to recognize that it's what he tells us. It's what he teaches us that that we will be judged on. We will also be judged on whether we've acknowledged our sin, whether we've repented from that sin. Now, sin is not a popular word. You can guarantee that if you do a sermon on sin, not many people will attend if they know that's what you're preaching on. It's probably why most preachers don't announce what they're preaching on. In the UK, we have made it so that the greatest sin is to say that someone has sinned. I find that ironic. If you say to somebody, you've sinned according to the Bible, well, you'll be lambasted. No acknowledgement of sin is accepted in the UK. We don't accept it. We say everybody can live how they choose. Everybody is free to do what they like. And the only value we have is that you cannot say anything is sinful. You might say, well, that's going a bit extreme. You try it. You try and stand out there and say you disagree with abortion or greed or sexual immorality and you will find that not only the media but also uh, the social networks, they will come at you with anger and vitriol. It seems foolish to me to ignore what Christ has told us to do in view of the fact that he is coming back to judge the earth. Seems a crazy thing, really. It seems a prudent or a good thing to do today to live according to the instructions that Jesus gave us that we have recorded in the New Testament. And you know, that's how Christians live. This is why Christians are different. They know that Jesus is coming back and he's going to look at us in accordance to how we've lived. And so we try with his strength to live and do what he has taught us to do. And I should make a kind of side point here. Living the way Jesus wants us to live would give us peace on earth. The reason we don't have peace on earth is because people are not living the way Jesus told us to live. He said, love your neighbor, not hit him. He said, if you've got two of something, give one to somebody else, not hoard it up so you've got millions in the bank for yourself. Man, we we could spend all day looking at how Jesus told us to live. And so the fact of sin is not really in question. We've all sinned. The Bible tells us every single person on this planet has sinned. And in some ways, our consciences tell us that we've done wrong. We know it. You know, when you say something nasty to someone in here, you know you've done wrong. You know it. You go into the shop and they give you too much change back and you notice it but do nothing. In here, you know you're doing something wrong. You see, God's given us a conscience and we know when we sin according to the way he wants us to live. The trouble that we face is that our standards in the UK morally have so fallen that they are now almost in direct opposition to what Jesus teaches us. Makes life very hard if you want to follow Jesus. Now, if you want to kind of see the kind of things the Bible tells us we shouldn't be doing, there are sin lists in the Bible, things that are clearly labeled as being wrong. Galatians 5, 16 to 23, 2 Timothy 3, 2 to 5, Titus 3, 1 to 7, James 3, 13 to 18, 2 Peter 1, 5 to 7, all lists that tell us what we shouldn't do. And when you read them, they won't be a great surprise. You can't think, yeah, you know what, that's not right. Doing these things that these lists tell us not to do will put us in the path of Christ's anger when we stand before him in judgment. Now, we don't hear much about Jesus' anger, you know. We preach about his love and his graciousness and his mercy and his compassion. But let me tell you, there is also the anger of Jesus. It is seen once... When he goes into the temple of God, which should be a place of prayer and people are making it a place of profit and Jesus gets angry and turns over all the tables. When he comes back, he will be angry if we have broken his commands and we have not lived the way that he has taught us to live. And there are things like Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. You should read that Sermon on the Mount. It's phenomenal. It teaches us how we should live. The book of Ephesians, it's all about how we should think and how we should behave. Really, the whole of the Bible in some way teaches us how we should live. So the bottom line here is that us being sinners is a fact. And if you want further evidence, just look at the news. Just read the headlines on the newspaper. You know, I read them rarely. I read them because I want to keep up with what's going on. But I tell you, it's depressing. I do not want to see what is going on in the headlines because it's always all the bad stuff that people are responsible for. The Bible clearly teaches us how we ought to live. And God has put everything at our disposal so we can live like that. But sadly, we choose not to. And breaking Christ's rules leads to judgment and judgment leads to punishment. Now, let me tell you, the punishment when Christ returns will be more than we can bear. So what do we need? Well, we need a saviour. All of that kind of that I've just mentioned is all leading up to this single point. We need a saviour. Because when Jesus comes back, we're in trouble. We need somebody to save us from our sins and the things that we do. And this is exactly what we are celebrating at Christmas. The saviour of the world has been born. Hebrews nine twenty-eight, the verse on from the one I read that we die once and then face judgment says this. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and he will appear a second time not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So we've got this picture that Jesus died for the sin of mankind and all of those who repent and believe that and receive that and follow Jesus that when Jesus comes a second time their judgment will not lead to punishment but to salvation tell you, that's good news. We deserve one thing, but we get another. Jesus came to save us from our sins by taking the punishment of sin onto himself. Through his action, we are saved. And let me tell you, when you understand this, it should cause you to repent. It should cause you to rejoice it should cause you to say, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. I mean, who's ever heard of somebody taking the punishment of somebody else? We've kind of answered three questions. Who is it that is coming? A saviour. We need a saviour. To whom does he come? We are told that he's coming to the whole world. He is the saviour of the whole world. All mankind can benefit from what Jesus has done if they're willing to admit that they're sinful and they need to change the way they live. I find it still amazing in 2022 with all of our technology, with all of our knowledge, internet and all the other stuff, with all of our advancement that we still haven't twigged to the fact that there is something inherently wrong with mankind and we make the world a worse place year upon year upon year. Probably mentioned before, but I read something on Twitter where somebody said they believe that mankind is inherently good. I had to bite my tongue from writing back saying, do you live on the same planet? And what's the purpose of Christ's coming? It's to save us from our sins. And that's the message this morning. Jesus brings peace. What kind of peace? Well, he brings peace between us and God. Uh, have you noticed, if you have an argument with a family member, until you put it right, there's no peace, is there? Talk to people who've not spoken to a sibling or a parent or someone for decades. Why? They had a big bust up. It's not been put right. Mankind when they were created, chose to disobey God and it created a big bust up between us and God and Jesus came on the earth to bring peace so that we can sort this out through our repentance and faith in Jesus. What an amazing thing. I don't know whether you've done that. I pray and hope you have. I hope you've asked Jesus to forgive you. I hope you said, I'll put my faith in Jesus. Maybe you did that many moons ago and things have got out of hand and you've slidden away from that and you need to sort it again. I want to ask you this morning, why not do it here and now? Why not this morning recognize that the coming Savior at Christmas came to take away your sin and the punishment for your sin. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Maybe you want to do that this morning. And so I want to give you an opportunity. It starts by talking with Jesus. Everything starts by talking With Jesus. I'm going to pray a simple prayer and I want to invite you to pray that prayer this morning. I'm going to do it a phrase at a time. And if you want to say that, then you can follow me in saying that. So I'm going to start. You can say this in your heart or you can say it out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I confess I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me. I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you've prayed that in all earnestness, you've started on a journey. And let me tell you, it is a journey, it's not a one off decision. You don't kind of pray that and go back to doing what you do, it's a journey. And a journey means that there are stages within that. And it's a journey that you can't make on your own. The reason we have church is because we need one another to help us. I need your encouragement. You need my encouragement. We need each other's encouragement. We need to help one another on this journey with Jesus because life is hard. And so I want to ask you this morning, if you've prayed that prayer, why don't you see me afterwards as as you're going out? And say, I prayed that prayer because I'd love to sit down with you and help you on that journey. And there'll be other people here. If you know one of the believers here in the church and you've prayed that and you want to talk to them, then do that and say, look, I prayed that prayer this morning. Can you help me on this journey? That's a good thing. I'm going to pray and then we're going to finish this morning. Father, we want to thank you. We thank you that you are a loving God. And even though we, we talk about sin and it makes us feel bad and we see the negativity of it, we want to thank you that we are actually celebrating that Jesus Christ can free us from all our sin because of his amazing sacrifice. And so we thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you would love us enough to do that. And we bless you today. We lift up your name. We praise your name today. We declare your goodness because what you do is always good. And so, Father, I pray this morning for anybody who's prayed that prayer. You'd give them the boldness to tell someone and to uh, get that help on that journey. And so, Lord, bless us this week. Be with us. I pray especially as we move into the next two weeks of frenzied Christmas activity in the world that you would help us, help us to have hope and peace in Jesus' name. Amen.